And I think I think that's the important thing that that I really love about the game of cash flow, right? Or any game is it's it's if you if you've attended any kind of personal development seminar, you've potentially heard someone say this. But the way we play games is the way we play life. I think I don't know if that's a blatant statement of truth all the time, uh, but I think on a subconscious level, the way we show up in different games, whether that be a sporting game, whether that be in a board game, card game, computer game. There is a, there's an element of the way we play that game that is an element of how our brain is wired and the way we think and the way we make decisions. It's not only do I get to learn about myself and learn new ways and try out potentially new things in the game. Cash flow, introducing someone who's never played cash flow before to the game, absolutely fascinating how quickly you can start to learn their preferences. And so you can not only do you learn about yourself, you learn about the people you're playing with and how the different styles of people interact. And I, I just find that absolutely fascinating. But I think that's the beauty of playing the game multiple times is not only do you get the opportunity to play different strategies than you normally would in life, but once you've played it a few times, you can really try and push your own buttons. And when you have a deal or an investment opportunity in the game and you've got one path, which is the, you know, let's say perhaps the rational path or the safe or comfortable path for you, and you've got another path which you know is radical or it just doesn't make sense for you to do, leading into the one that that doesn't make sense uh, will bear fruit in those lessons. G'day listener, this is Pete Moriarty and welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. I am joined by my co-host Carl Taylor. How are you doing, Carl? I'm doing amazing. I am feeling invigorated and also sitting down. Amazing. <laughs> invigorated while sitting down well if you can muster up as much excitement and enthusiasm that your sitting down bottom can uh, can provide we are we're going to bring a show to you the listener thanks so much for joining us this episode we are going to be covering lessons from the game cash flow and uh, cash flow is one of our shared passions uh, this is a game developed by robert kiyosaki to teach you how to get out of the rat race uh, but it's more broadly about teaching you about how to learn the skills that investors have and how to think like an investor uh, but most importantly, what the game allows you to do on a very practical level is to take risks and uh, basically try different strategies in investing in a very safe environment of a game, uh, which is very different to how most investing is done. Most investing is done with real money, with lots of money, uh, and there is a high risk associated with that. And so what this game tries to do is kind of break that down and allow you to have a safe environment for your testing. Carl, when was the first time you played cash flow oh uh, i can remember it very very clearly it would have been 2012 and i was invited so i'd heard about cash flow for years never played it i played the game leverage uh, by mm. brad sugars mm -hmm. uh, and i owned that board game but i'd heard about cash flow never played it. and i was invited one night to come over uh took, it took me like 40 minutes to drive there and with a bunch of people i'd met at this seminar um the tr becker seminar series actually and um, they invited me over for drinks, wine, and cash flow. And I sat down and I played this game and I instantly was just like, oh, my God, this is so much more like social and fun. But I came away from that first game ever playing with just some really big ahas, some things that just sunk into my head. It was like, oh, it all makes sense. 
all because of playing that game. And it just, it started a love affair that I was like, I need to buy this game. I want to play it as regularly as possible. I want to share this with friends. What about you? When was your first game of Cash Flow? Uh, I would say pr- probably early 20s or late teens maybe. Uh, my parents had a copy uh, and uh, they had always talked about the game but they weren't really avid players uh, and uh, I, I don't remember much about my first experience except that I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I've always enjoyed games that represent business and I remember being a teenager and playing so much SimCity because it had effectively a P&L. Uh, you know, when you're managing a city in that city builder game, you've got income and revenue, which is your taxes, and then you've got capital expenses, which is uh, basically, you know, making improvements and creating zoning and building roads and public, you know, buildings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you have your, you know, your general operating expenses, uh, which are the, the money that the public has to pay to actually run all of those things. But I've always loved games to do with business. And when I got into cash flow, it was literally all about business and making money. And of course, something I'm interested in, wealth building and getting out of the rat race. And so, I loved it. You know what I take from that is that while most of us who played SimCity, because I love SimCity as well, most of us played SimCity for like the the control of power to build a city and then knock it down by bringing like UFOs and tornadoes to smash it. You're going, look at the great business thing. My business side of that was I played a game called Theme Park. Did you ever play Theme Park? I played Roller Coaster Tycoon, which I assume is similar. similar. Very similar. Yeah, you know, learning to put extra salt on the chips because that would make people buy more drinks. Um, so these are little things you could do to, to try and make more money. I, I, that was that was more the business side. For awesome. Me. You know, I, I used to that. switch off. Uh, I used to switch off the disasters on uh, SimCity because I never wanted my city destroyed because I wanted it to go on forever. I wanted to build a resilient city that was you know free flowing. And the interesting thing was, as soon as it started like pumping out cash, that's when I would get bored. Um, and that, that was such an, such an important lesson for me because I spent so many years building a business from when I was 15 years old, basically building an IT consultancy until my mid to late twenties. I started to see signs that the business would eventually get to the point of just pumping out cash, more cash than I needed. And I realized, holy crap, I'm going to get bored. Uh, and, and I'm going to get bored with my life. It'll be SimCity all over again. And I realized that. And I actually spent a couple of years preparing mentally for the point in which my business took care of all of my needs and all of the income and wealth that I needed. Uh, and, uh, and I made sure that I was prepared to still have meaning in my life. Cause you hear of so many entrepreneurs who have this big payday or a windfall, especially when they sell a business, which I haven't done yet, but when they sell a business, uh, that they then lose a bit of purpose because they've kind of like climbed that mountain. And so, wow, what an amazing, what an amazing, amazing lesson from a game I was playing when I was like 12 years old. And I think, I think that's the important thing that, that I really love about the game of cash flow, right? Or any game is it's, it's, if you've, if you've attended any kind of personal development seminar, you've potentially heard someone say this, but the way we play games is the way we play life. Hmm. And I think, I don't know if that's a blatant statement of truth all the time, uh, but I think, so on a subconscious level, the way we show up in different games, whether that be a sporting game, whether that be in a board game, card game, computer game, there is a, there's an element of the way we play that game that is an element of how our brain is wired and the way we think and the way we make decisions. And that's what I love about cash flow is it's not only 
do I get to learn about myself and learn new ways and try out potentially new things in the game of cash flow and share some of our lessons? I mean, just before the recording this episode, Pete and I played a great game of cash flow and uh, I, know, I know Pete had some uh, big learning lessons for himself. But that's the thing is I love also introducing someone who's never played cash flow before to the game. And it is absolutely fascinating how quickly you can start to learn their preferences, their, uh, their level of risk, their mindset around debt. You know, the people who quickly are going to pay off debt as soon as they got money, their first thought is to pay off debt. That's, you know, it, that's very telling instantly to see people doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. It just instantly shows you the kind of uh, mindset they have around money and debt. And so you can not only do you learn about yourself, you learn about the people you're playing with and how the different styles of people interact. And I, I just find that absolutely fascinating. And and you can also learn someone will make a decision that you wouldn't make and it can end up working amazingly well for them. And you can learn a lot of lessons in that because you're like, oh, I would that's too risky. I wouldn't do that deal. And then they do it and it works out amazingly well uh, or maybe it doesn't and there's still lessons in that. So it's it's... You know, like, uh, overall, I'm a genuinely big fan of Robert Kiyosaki. I don't agree with everything that he has to say. Uh, but I will say that the game that he has created in, in cash flow is absolutely gold in just teaching financial literacy and teaching the concepts of financial freedom and what it takes to truly build um, passive income and financial freedom income. And I don't know, should we just jump straight into sharing some of our lessons, Pete? I'm, I'm ready to go with the first ever lesson I got. We totally could. We totally should. Uh, tell us tell us all about it, Carl. So that first game, 2012. Um, so I'd met these people, this group of people through T. Harvecker seminars. Uh, T. Harvecker, if you've not heard of him, uh, he wrote a book called Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. I know Pete is currently reading that book. Uh, I don't know for the first time or not, but yeah, it's a great book, amazing. Recommend checking it out if you've not read it. Anyways, I went to his free uh, seminar, which was Millionaire Mind Intensive. It was a three-day free event. I got more value from those three days for free than I'd got from some seminars that I'd paid thousands of dollars to attend. It was incredible. Wow. It was a sales pitch. It was lots of sales pitches, but it was amazing value content uh, around. And I still manage my money using the JAR system that T. Harbecker came up with or shared. I don't know if he came up with it. He shared it at that event. And I still, to this day, manage my money that way. I've taught other people to manage their money that way. My partner now manages her money that way. Like it's, it's just been a super simple system. Anyways, I met these people at that. So I was already in a world of like, you know, finance, managing money, but it was playing this game that I first had the biggest realization and aha that the way you achieve financial freedom is when your passive income exceeds your expenses. I knew that on a conceptual level, but what I really learned from this game was there's two ways to do it. Increase your passive income and decrease your expenses. And the biggest takeaway was going, the lower your expenses, the faster you can get out of the rat race. So the goal of the game is that you're in the rat race and you need to get out of that rat race when your passive income exceeds your expenses. And so you might get a card in this game where you are like a pilot and you're earning a huge amount of money and you think, yes, this is amazing. But then you have $7,000 a month in expenses so to get out of the rat race, you have to generate over $7,000 in passive income versus you might pick up the card of the janitor where you're only making 2000 a month in income, but you only got $1,000 a month in expenses. And therefore, in one deal or two deals, you can be out of the rat race and financially free. And that was a huge aha for me because I remember leaving that night with those friends and saying to my partner at the time on the drive home going, 
you know what? I'm I'm really going to look at my expenses. I'm really going to look at how I can I can lower these expenses because I you don't need the fancy things. I don't need that. Like that's just getting in the way of my goal of financial freedom. And that was a huge, hugely profound lesson that came from that one night. Yeah. I really love that aspect of the game that, um, you know, your perception would be that someone on a really high income uh, is more financially uh, free or financially successful at least, right? Um, but the, the game really, really drills that home that you have to build passive income from income generating assets, uh, whether in the game it's property or stocks, dividends or, uh, you know, other ways, but you have to basically generate that passive income every month to be able to then get out of the rat race. And it's so simple and beautiful, <laughs> uh, but it's such uh, such an important lesson. So, Carl, tell me uh, about what else have you found in, you know, I mean, how many times did you play the game? You know, Robert Kiyosaki says play it 100 times before you really truly understand it. How many times have you played it? Ooh, ooh I, I, I haven't really kept track. It's definitely more than... I could just tell you off the top of my head. It's de- it's definitely more than the fingers I have on my hand, uh, because I have I own the game. I played it with friends. I played it with family, and then more recently, you know, I've been playing it online. Uh, there's various different versions of the game too. So if you are sitting around going, "Oh, should I buy it?" Let me share a couple of uh, insights I've had. The the first version of the game I bought uh, was a newer version of Cashflow, and it doesn't have cash. You don't actually transfer cash. And uh, it makes the game go faster. You keep a ledger and you track how much money you have on a piece of paper. Game goes a lot faster. In my opinion, though, if, you play, if you're buying this game because you want a fun social game, the older version of the game that has cash, in my opinion, is more fun. Just like Monopoly. You're holding the cash, you hand over the cash, someone manages the bank. Yes, it requires a little bit more work, but it's far more fun. Uh, if you're someone who's played it a lot, like Pete and I have now, well, then, yeah, this is where you might start to use. There's an app on your phone you can use instead of using money, and you can track all that to the pieces of paper, or you can just go straight to the computer game version. Um, but I find that if you're in particular playing it because you or someone around you, you really want to teach them financial savviness and what deals do, the board game version with a piece of paper is, in my opinion, the best version to play because the, the act of taking a deal and then going through all the numbers and seeing what impact that deal has had on all of your numbers, from your expenses to your income to your assets to your liabilities, that process teaches you far more about understanding finances. Whereas when you do the computer game, the online version, it's great, but it, it moves a lot faster and it does all of that work for you. And so you don't really get – you might get a little bit of a lesson, but I don't think you get the same power of the lesson behind it. Hmm. I want to share the biggest lesson that I had when I played and uh, over the first few games, it was pretty straightforward. I just played it like a game like Monopoly and I kind of enjoyed being able to take risks that I wouldn't normally take like spending all the cash that I had available on a deal and then, you know, waiting for the next paycheck and those are the kind of like basic levels of lessons that I had as I came through. Um, But about four or five times playing in, I had a really interesting realization. Now, one of the elements of the game is that you have stocks that go up and down as the game progresses. And so, sometimes you'll have a stock at $5, sometimes you'll have a stock at $20. But every now and again, you have a stock that's completely crashed and you can buy it at $1. And I had one of these opportunities. Now, I had a bit of cash with me uh, and I decided to spend all of my cash buying that stock. 
But another element of the game is being able to borrow money as well. And so, I decided because I knew that, well, this stock is probably going to go from $1 to $10 or $20 or $30 or $40 at some point in the game. I decided that, well, why don't I take advantage of borrowing some money? Now, borrowing money has an interest payment that you need to make and it's 10% per month, which is pretty crazy, but you know, it's a game. So, they want to they wanna make sure that you're actually paying a decent amount on your interest so it does hurt you. And I decided to pay quite a decent amount on the interest. I can't remember how much it was to be able to buy some extra stocks while they were at $1 using the bank's money. Now, this is effectively the concept of margin lending, I think it's called. Uh, and so, from there, I had a hell of a lot of stocks and I was paying for the interest over the course of the game while I held those stocks. Now, I then hit bank. The stock went up to $30 uh, share and I was able to sell my stocks and I made a hell of a lot of money with that. And the lesson that I really got there just really hammered home the idea of good debt versus bad debt but I think most of us understand that, that like, you know, borrow using debt for leverage to then purchase a property that's passively geared, that makes sense, right? That's all pretty simple. But what I didn't understand at the time that I then became aware of after playing that game was that debt just needs to be a calculation in your deal. The interest payments are just the cost of capital and all you need to do is look at the probability and in this case, it, you know, I say the probability because buying stocks is a bit like gambling uh, but in investments, you want to look at, okay, well, what is going to be my return on investment? What is my expected return? And just factoring in the cost of capital into that return and what that really shifted for me was uh, not being afraid of using capital and using a lot of debt, even money that, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have borrowed. Like if you look at your net worth right now, how much would you be comfortable going into debt? 10% of your net worth, 20% of your net worth, 100% of your net worth. In that particular game, I had gone into debt 100% of my net worth over again. Uh, and so, that was quite a little bit quite a lot of debt, but I had a good idea of what return I was going to get on that investment. Um, and so, that really, really shifted things for me uh, and that informed a lot of the investment decisions and especially business acquisitions that I've made since then. I'm curious, like, would you, but now that you've done that in the game, and you've done it a few times because I know I've seen you do it a few times when we've played, would you now be comfortable going 100% in net worth debt in real life? That's such a good question because it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, that that would come down to the investment. Uh, yes, yes, would I be comfortable doing it? But it would have to be a it would have to be a bloody solid investment with a good chance of expected returns. Nothing is guaranteed, uh, so I can't mm. say guaranteed returns. Uh, but it would have to be a damn good investment. Um, you have a lot of risk mitigation in place, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, that would that would have to be there. Uh, but also, I think one of the advantages of me being in the game that I'm in right now is I don't have dependents. Uh, I'm not particularly interested too much in the legacy side of wealth generation in terms of leaving it to others. Uh, I'm interested in having impact while I'm here, certainly. So, I don't want to be laissez-faire about managing my money and protecting my wealth. Um, but I have the intense uh, feeling that should anything happen and my wealth go to zero, I can continue to build up and, I'm, and I don't worry about that. Uh, and so, I think if it was a deal that met all the right metrics for me, I think I'd be comfortable to go there. 
Yeah, nice. I like it. Uh, it's similar. I had a similar lesson come out from multiple games where I started to learn to think about a deal differently, right? Like mm. in the game, you, you'd say you get a property that it's a, let's call it a $10,000 down payment, but it's going to give you 2000 a month in cash flow. And well, maybe I only have, you know, 5000 And so I need to borrow $5,000. Like an older version of me who didn't really like the idea of debt would go, oh, no, I don't have the cash to buy it. I don't have that down payment, so I'll pass. But when I started to go, well, hold on, actually, how much would I need to borrow? 5000 At a 10% interest rate, that's 500 So if I take that 500 out of the 2000 cash flow, I'm still 1500 up. Of course I'd do that deal. Why would I not do that deal if I can borrow the 5000 and still end up with 1500 in my pocket? Like, that's a great deal. And just that shift of having my mind start being able to look at a deal in that way, which I wasn't doing prior to the game, uh, has been a big shift in, in the way I do things. And even to the point that I, I used to be afraid of borrowing and um, in real life, like the idea of taking on debt, just, you know, I have pretty well no debt really in, in my life and business or anything. I've always kept it pretty much out of debt. And I even now in, in the last six to eight months, I have actively pursued and investigated finding margin loans so that I could borrow money to buy more shares because there's a couple of shares that I invest in that historically so far have been paying me quite a decent return in dividends around a six and a half to seven percent. There's no guarantee it's going to continue, but this particular uh, investment I've made and I was like, well, if I can borrow money like I would in the game at a lower interest rate, two to three percent, and I know that I'm going to be pulling out on average around a six percent, I'd do that in the game of cash flow. Why would I not at least consider doing it? in the game of real life. And that, that has been a big shift for me only in the last, you know, six to 12 months in particular. So, um, yeah, that this, the power, I cannot, I cannot reiterate just how much power can come out of this game. If you, if you sit down and you play it seriously, um, with the intent to learn and to try different things and to, to experiment uh, and experiment. Like I know Pete, you've done things where you're like, I wouldn't do this in real life. So I'm going to try it in the game and just see what happens. I like leaning into my edges. I think one of the things that I really enjoy about the game is that everyone will approach it in the way that they approach money in the real world, let's call it. Um, and so you'll have some players who come along and who say, you know, I don't really care so much about, uh, you know, uh, you know, building my wealth or I don't really care so much about money or I don't really mind what happens. Uh, and it's interesting that for some of those players, that's really reflected in their level of wealth or their ability to build wealth at the moment. Uh, now, that's not to say that if you're not a wealth building fetishist, uh, then, uh, then, you know, then you lose the game. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is for those that are aware and are ready to tap into the lessons of a game like this, uh, there can really be some quite deep levels of that. Um, one of the things that I found interesting is, uh, when we played recently, I decided to really, really lean into the game. Uh, and so one of the things that I did was, I got excited about a way that I thought I could cheat the system a bit. Uh, now, there's some gray areas with the rules, and I think Kiyosaki designed the game like that because they want to promote some deals being done. They want to promote you being creative about how you play, and especially when you have the board game version, if you're not playing an online version, there's a few, let's call them, house rules of way that you, ways that you can be working, some that I didn't even know about that, Carl, you've shared recently, like uh, being able to you know, allow someone else to be a, a broker for shares if you want to get in on deals and split profits and all those kind of things. Now, 
the interesting thing is in the online game, I tried out a strategy where I thought if I could allow myself to go in crazy amounts of debt, and I'm talking like crazy amounts of debt in the game. I think I borrowed $50,000 <laughs> for, uh, uh, for a purchase that was not much more than that. Uh, I thought that that might allow me to get out of the rat race, even though my interest payments uh, would actually be way more than what was acceptable. Now, in the board game, for the moment that you do that deal, it's a bit of a gray area. Sometimes, you know, it might be uh, uh, decided that you could get out of the rat race. But what I found was in the game, as soon as I went through with that deal, uh, all of the interest charges were immediately slapped onto my account. Um, and what that meant was that I was further away from the rat race than I expected to be. And that was a real slap in the face for me uh, because not only was I further behind uh, than I was previously, because previously I was actually in the lead and winning the game. What I realized was that that was an emotional trigger for me. And the emotional mm -hmm. trigger for me was bending or breaking the rules. And I had flashbacks to other times when I'd bent or broken the rules. I, uh, you know, had a, a fully triggered, uh, you know, like emotionally activated episode. I had to like lie down on the ground and I really let my body feel it. And I, and I enjoy feeling that I'm thankful for these gifts now when they come up. I don't you know, freak out or, you know, get angry or project or whatever. Like I really enjoyed having that experience and I'm so glad that the game gave me that experience. Um, but I think that's the beauty of playing the game multiple times is not only do you get the opportunity to play different strategies than you normally would in life, but once you've played it a few times, you can really try and push your own buttons. Uh, and when you have a deal or an investment opportunity in the game and you've got one path, which is the, you know, let's say perhaps the rational path or the safe or comfortable path for you, and you've got another path which you know is radical or it just doesn't make sense for you to do, leaning into the, leaning into the one that, that doesn't make sense uh, will bear fruit in those lessons. And, uh, that you know, that was a it was a great lesson for me on... A couple of things that came up. Number one was like cheating the system is not the way to get forward. Uh, that is uh, not the way to win on a long uh, term frame of mind. And that, that actually wasn't the most profound lesson. The most profound lesson was actually what was under that. And that was that I hadn't actually done the numbers correctly on that deal. I got excited. I was on a roll. I'd done two previous deals in a similar way. And I didn't check all of the numbers and check all of my data before proceeding, which in the real world, I normally would. I'm much more pragmatic in my deals. I make sure I have all the data before I proceed and I do things really safely. So, I'm really glad that I kind of did it, let's say, the, the riskier way there because I then went and got the lesson. Uh, and the lesson was for me to make sure that I have all of the I's dotted and the T's crossed before I proceed with a deal. Uh, and especially when there's lots of money involved because what happened in the game was my net worth effectively well, my passive income halved. Uh, that was uh, that was that was what was happening, and it took me longer to get out of that deal, and I ended up not winning the game, going from a place of being in position to win, to then not being in a position to win. Yeah, and and, and uh, you let you know let's let's not uh, sugarcoat this. Like you were you were having sweats, you were you were <laughs> legit sweating. I could see it through the Zoom call that you were you were like having sweats over this, and you're going more and more in debt every every month because you're like. I'm just going to keep borrowing more to try and dig myself out of this uh, this mess until eventually an opportunity might come up that'll allow me to sell an asset. And you're very uh, you were very lucky that something did come up. And I, you know, it was great to watch. I loved I loved witnessing it and and seeing the learnings from my side of you taking this deal. Um, 
you know, as I said, I had these concerns or fears around borrowing money. And, and again, seeing sometimes, I mean, the very first time I think you and I played and I saw just how much you were prepared to lean into debt. That was eye opening to me. It really was like the way you chose to play the game and how you leverage debt was very eye opening for me to go, ah, oh, you know, I wouldn't have even thought about this. This is a bit irrational. And what's interesting for me, and I saw this play out in the other, the game we played the other night, but also when I reflect back on some more recent games, I've noticed that when I'm, when I in the past had been going, okay, I'm going to play this game, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to do something I wouldn't normally do. Similar to you with the not checking numbers, what I've realized is my pattern when I go, oh, okay, I'm just going to try something I wouldn't normally do. I like turn off my logical brain and it's basically me just rolling the dice at a casino. That's what I'm doing. I, I, I'm like, I'm kind of just going, oh, let's just see. And ra- rather than still going, hey, this is riskier. Let's still think about this. Let's run the numbers. Let's look at it and make an informed decision, even though it's uncomfortable. It's more like I just go, oh, yeah, okay. I wouldn't normally do this, but you know, let's just see what happens. Let's roll the dice. And most of the time it didn't really pay out as well as I might have hoped. Um, sometimes it did. But that was really interesting for me internally to, to notice that, that when I all of a sudden went, this is risky, I just treated it as a complete gamble of just, mm. oh, just let luck and the universe or whatever play out how it's going to play out. And um, that made me, that's made me pause to go, hmm, okay, yes, testing something is good. Testing with just blind faith, maybe not the best, especially when you're dealing with things like money and numbers. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that was being profound for me as well. I would say I think we have different way of approaching, you know, letting the universe take its course and, and those, and those gambles, right? Because, uh, I think you're really open to it going either way and just letting the faith go in the universe. I have a belief or a story, uh, that when I gamble, I lose. Um, and so what I've found is that, uh, every time I've played poker, for example, I've allowed myself to build up this story that each time I go all in, I lose. Uh, and so when I play other games as well, I find myself, if I go all in, I lose. Um, and so I'm very, very careful about that kind of all in. And I'm, you know, this, this is obviously now a part of my psychology and a part of my stories and my identity. I'm very, well, very your careful. Your language pattern just there, you're still using it in a very present tense. Oh, I, I'm a believer. I, I believe like it. <laughs> oh, no, I, no, I believe it now. <laughs> Not was. No, I believe, I believe it now. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting how those uh, patterns, simple patterns like that, uh, will play out as you're, as you're playing games like this. Absolutely. I, I understand. And look, you know, this is this 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 episode was not designed to be an ad for Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow, um, but you should buy it. Turn into that, you should totally buy it. And uh, I'm sure if we can find some links to help make it easier for you of where to buy it, we will make sure they are in the show notes. Um, I know I've bought versions on eBay and various things, but yeah, if we can find, you'll be able to officially buy it at richdad.com. I'm sure, but yeah, we'll 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 find some links so that you can you can buy this game and. Uh, yeah, highly recommend you get on, you do the online version. But yeah, as I said before, if you really want to learn, especially if you're, you're new to this game, you've never played it before, the board game is where it's at. It really is. Yeah, we'd love to hear your stories. You know, write in, let us know. Hey, I played Cashflow for the first time. Here's what I learned. We'd love to hear from you. That would be amazing. If you want to send an audio snippet, we might even share it on a future episode. Um, as always, if you like this episode, share it with others. Let people know. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcasting platform is and how you access this content. 
and uh, let us know what you thought, good or bad, and uh, subscribe, follow us, tune in for the next episode. We would love to connect. You can find everything you need at rising.show. That's where you'll find all the show notes, all the links, everything about who Peter Moriarty is, who I am, what companies I run, any of that kind of stuff, you'll find that there. And uh, you can also tune in and find previous episodes as well. That's it from me. Pete, any final words? No, get playing. Just remember that Kiyosaki says you've got to play it at least 100 times to truly get all of the lessons from cash flow. So you can find cash flow groups of people that want to play cash flow regularly. Uh, I will say that there are, uh, you know, varying people who, uh, who come from all different walks of life who are interested in those groups. May or may not be your vibe, but they are there if you're looking for someone. Otherwise, hit up Carl and I. We play cash flow often. We might even invite you to one of our games if we need some more players. Love it. All right. See you guys. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs>